Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Health Law Rundown, the definitive healthcare law podcast for healthcare companies and practitioners. I'm your host, Matt Ulrich, a healthcare attorney at the law firm of Kaplan & Ernest in Boulder, Colorado. This podcast is sponsored by Kaplan & Ernest. Kaplan & Ernest was founded in 1969 on the principles of respect for clients, well-researched legal solutions, a team approach to problem solving, and fair pricing. Today, those principles are alive and well as the firm provides a broad range of legal services and work with educational institutions, healthcare organizations, large corporations, small businesses, and individuals to help them make informed legal decisions and to thrive. Okay. Um, how's that sounding? I'm just going to start with today's topic is telehealth. We're recording this podcast on April 20th, 2017. I've talked about telehealth at several different conferences, and so I could probably talk your ear off about it, but I'm not going to ramble on here for an hour. So we're going to try to keep this short and sweet and concise and and really kind of go over some basics of telehealth, as well as the pitfalls and kind of overarching issues that you need to be aware of, especially if you're going to be starting a telehealth program or if you've already started one. We're going to talk about things that you hopefully considered or um, should be considering uh, moving forward. And I would highly recommend that you talk to your attorney about it if you've already started or you are going to be doing it just to make sure you're, you're meeting all these requirements and, and you're complying with the law. So, and one of the the main reason I wanted to talk about telehealth is it's constantly changing every day and it's going to be continuing to change in the future as well. As history has shown us on telehealth all the way back from the time of the Civil War when people were using the telegraph to coordinate supplies and transportation of patients to the invention of the telephone and listening to heart palpitations over the telephone to and using televisions to transmit images all the way to the radio as well and NASA using robotics to monitor astronauts in space to today's day and age of mobile apps and two-way live audio video communications. As technology increases, uh, so does our capacity for healthcare and to use technology in various ways to help people. And so I really believe that telehealth is going to be the future of healthcare, um, especially in 5, 10, 15 years. We have no idea where technology is going to take us. The basics of telehealth. Essentially, you can think of telehealth as the umbrella term for which every other form falls underneath. So for example, telehealth includes telemedicine, telepsychiatry, mobile health, telesurgery, teleradiology, telestrology. There's all sorts of different types and forms. That's kind of a very basic, simplistic view of how you can think of telehealth. Medicare's requirements for telehealth. I think the easiest way to remember this and to think about this is to actually use the real estate phrase, location, location, location. For Medicare, it's all about the location of the patient and the practitioner. And they use different terminology in their requirements. Medicare refers to the site where the patient is as the originating site. And this has to be in a 
qualified facility and located in a health professional shortage area or a non-urban region traditionally underserved by healthcare providers. And Medicare gives specific examples of what qualifies as an originating site. And this includes practitioners' offices, hospitals, rural health clinics, federally qualified health centers, skilled nursing facilities, and community mental health centers. Additional, Medicare also has three other requirements that you need to be aware of, and that includes uh, specific provider types are only allowed to provide telehealth services at the distance site or the location where the treating practitioner would be. And they also, once again, give examples on and give specific requirements of who a distance site practitioner can be. And that includes physicians, physician assistants, nurse practitioners, clinical social workers, clinical nurse specialists, clinical psychologists, and registered dietitians, as well as nurse midwives. The third and fourth requirements for Medicare and to provide telehealth services are there's only specific types of services covered by Medicare. And specifically, there's 30 different types. This has been increasing, but right now it's limited to office and outpatient visits, uh, professional consultations, management in medical nutrition therapy services, alcohol and other substance use disorder services, and individual psychotherapy are some examples of the services that Medicare allows you to provide via telehealth. And the last requirement is that you need to use interactive audio and video uh, communications that permit real-time essentially communication between the provider at the distance site and the patient at the originating site. And telephone, fax, and email are not allowed under uh, the definition of interactive audio and telecommunication systems with Medicare. And so you can't use those in and say it's telehealth. So that's kind of Medicare in their four requirements in the nutshell from the location, location, location to the services covered to the technology used and to uh, the types of providers that can actually provide services via telehealth under Medicare. When we talk about Medicaid, it's different for every state. But specifically, I would recommend when you're looking at your own specific state, you go to your Medicaid website and try to find their rules and regs on it, try to find their billing manuals try to find the information that they specifically have on telehealth to make sure that you can provide those services that you're thinking about providing via telehealth and to make sure that you're meeting those specific requirements. For example, in Colorado, Medicaid allows you to provide a lot of different services via telehealth, such as psychotherapy. But once again, you have to use live, real-time audio-video communications. And the interesting thing about Colorado Medicaid is they kind of waver and waffle between saying that it's for everybody and that anybody can use telehealth, kind of also saying that it doesn't you can't waive the in-person requirements. And if you can provide the services in person, you should do so. So Medicaid kind of goes back and forth depending on the services here in Colorado specifically. So I would recommend if you're thinking about providing telehealth in Colorado that you really look at the billing manuals, the rules and regs of Medicaid to make sure that you can provide uh, those services via telehealth. A really good resource that I recently found that you should check out for the requirements in your state 
is the, the Center for Connected Health Policy. Their website's just www.cchpca.org. And they actually provide um, the rules and regs. They do a good job of kind of summarizing and uh, providing all the different rules and regs in each state for um, telehealth. Although Medicaid is a state issue, I also wanted to talk to you about other potential state issues that you need to be thinking about and considering. The first one I want to talk about is state parity laws. Private insurers are starting to cover telehealth services more and more every day, and that's largely due to parity laws in different states that say that you have to cover telehealth and give the same requirements on telehealth as you would for in-person coverage. And so an example of this is actually we had legislation in Colorado that did several different things. It removed a population restriction that previously prevented telehealth from being performed in counties of more than 150,000 people. It also uh, requires insurance plans to bring parity in terms of benefits and coverage and make those the same as in-person care, as well as payment. They can't differentiate in terms of payment for telehealth services versus in-person care. The same goes for deductibles and co-payments. Everything has to be the same and all has to be in parity with each other. And so because of these laws coming about across the country in various states, we're seeing an increase in telehealth services being covered more and more by private payers and commercial plans. And so that's kind of the first thing that you will need to check out is make sure that your commercial payers and plans are paying for it, what their requirements are. Um, are they the same as in-person requirements? So that's something you definitely need to look into in your state. Another thing that you need to think about is your state boards, whether that's your nursing board, your medical board, psychiatry board, you know, whatever board it is in your state, you need to check the requirements and policies of those boards. For example, a lot of boards in a lot of states require you to have one in-person physical examination before you start engaging in telehealth services. They want you to establish that provider-practitioner relationship in person first, and then you can do and provide telehealth services. Other issues you need to think about and consider include, are your practitioners licensed in every state where they're providing telehealth services? That's generally required because you don't want to be practicing or providing services in a state you're not licensed to provide services in. You also need to think about patient-informed consent and does your state have any sort of requirements around this? I will tell you that a good example to look at the American Telemedicine Association, their website has some forms that you may be able to use um, or adapt for informed consent and obtaining that from patients. Other specific issues you need to think about are HIPAA. And are you using a secure platform to share and provide in telehealth services? The last big issue I want to talk to everybody about in terms of telehealth is the DEA and their requirements for specifically prescribing controlled substances via telemedicine, telepsychiatry, and telehealth. There's an act called the Ryan Hyde Act that requires you to have an in-person physical examination before you would prescribe a controlled substance. But, and this is similar to the state board issue that we were talking about earlier, where you need to have that in-person physical exam first before you can even engage in telehealth. Well, the Ryan Hyde Act 
and the DEA make you do that before you can prescribe controlled substances to that individual or patient that you're treating. There are exceptions to that. There are seven specific exceptions to that that include hospitals and clinics and other providers that, and practitioners that are registered with the DEA, such as having registered practitioner with the DEA in both the distant site and the originating site where you're providing the services and where the patient is located. Now that kind of defeats the purpose of telehealth because, I mean, why do you need both people to be licensed in both areas if you're going to be providing telehealth services or prescribing controlled substances? Having two DEA registered people kind of defeats the purpose. So with that being said, there are seven specific exceptions. I recommend you talk to your attorney about and to make sure you're meeting one of those specific exceptions if you are prescribing controlled substances via telehealth services and telemedicine. But the other thing that's interesting about this issue is that it's going to keep changing. The DEA has said that they're going to be coming out with a special registration process as well as uh, the fact that they are going to be coming out with new rules and regulations for that process in 2017. Now, we haven't seen those rules and regulations yet. Hopefully, they'll still be coming out soon, but we'll likely have another podcast on this coming up when, and probably specifically on this area because it's such a changing area moving forward that we want to make sure everyone's knowledgeable about this. Um, We're going to probably have several podcasts on telehealth over the years here as laws and regulations continue to change and as the DEA comes out with their their new requirements. Well, that's our show. Thank you to everyone for listening. For more information, visit us at CELaw.com. If you have any feedback, suggestions, or comments, please feel free to send those along. You can find both myself and the firm at CELaw.com on Twitter and on LinkedIn. Thanks so much. I want to personally thank Kathleen Martin and Damian Riva for allowing us to use their amazing music at the beginning and ending of this podcast. You can find out more information about Damian Riva and Kathleen Martin on Free Music Archive and Facebook. Stay tuned for future shows. We have some exciting guests and topics lined up. And because of that, you won't have to listen to me ramble so much next time. (laughs) All right. Here we go. (laughs) All right. Here we go. I'm going to get better at this. I promise. Okay. This podcast is for general informational purposes only and is not for the purpose of providing legal advice or legal opinions on specific facts or circumstances. This podcast does not constitute an attorney-client relationship with the listener, and the listener should not act upon the information discussed in this podcast without seeking professional advice. This podcast is not intended to be an advertising or solicitation of legal services. Because this podcast is recorded on a specific date, the information discussed may become outdated by the time the listener has downloaded or listened to it. Lastly, the listener should be aware that laws and regulations are constantly changing and are often different in each state.